Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. Ah, there he is. How are we doing on this fantastic Monday, sir? Doing fantastic. It's really rainy over here in uh, Philly, which I always hate this weather, but it is what it is. It's the middle of winter in uh, Pennsylvania, so got to take the go for the bad. Yeah, I tell you, right here in the beautiful state of Kentucky, we are having some very strange weather ourselves. It was uh, almost 70 again today. It's just abnormally uh, warm for this time of year, especially for February and March. So, And we haven't had a winter really either, hardly any snow whatsoever. So I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, just odd. All right, folks, if this is your first time joining us, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. We are on 73 different audio platforms, including Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage has a podcast that he uh, that he started and that he's also a co-host of. You want to tell him about Uncaged Voice, sir? Yes, if you'd like to hear gaming news or all sorts of other entertainment news, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on YouTube. It is myself, Jigsaw Jester, and Top Tier Rated who co-host. And it is an awesome, awesome podcast that I love working on. Yeah, so be sure to check that out. All right. Also, if you like current events and news and things of that nature, you can always check out the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I host it. We drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. We talk about uh, a little bit of everything, including the world, the crazy country, and all the stuff that's going on under the fake administration. If you'd ever like to be a guest on this show or have any questions for Donnie or myself, be sure to email us at ol Kentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. That's Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. Also in the links below is the link to our website, our merch shop, and all of our social media. Be sure that you can also follow us on Facebook at AgainstTheMatWrestling.com. All right. So uh, how we start every show, we start off with a My Fantasy Booking. This segment here is one of my favorite of the shows. Basically, what we talk about is Donnie will pick a wrestler and I'll pick a wrestler. And we will discuss how we may have done things just a little bit different if we were the booker or promoter. Because maybe they weren't successful in one company and another company 
totally botched it is usually how it goes. So as always, Mr. Cage, I'll let you start us off. Thank you, Kentucky guys. So my pick this week is a wrestler who was very, very popular in the 80s and early 90s. Most famous for working for world-class championship wrestling, but also had a run in the World Wrestling Federation. I am talking about Kerry Jean Adkison, better known as Kerry Von Erich and the Texas Tornado. He was a part of the Von Erich family of professional wrestlers, while probably one of the most famous wrestling families in all of professional wrestling. A family, though, that was not just popular, but also went through a lot of tragedy, which I'll touch on in a few minutes. But Kerry Von Erich was a guy who got his start in professional wrestling in 1978. He was from Denton, Texas. He often teamed with his brothers Kevin and David and Mike Von Erich. And this guy captured over 40 championships in various promotions during his career. He was a one-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and the man that he beat for that title was none other than the man, the myth, the, myth, the legend, the nature boy, Ric Flair. And he was also a four-time world-class championship wrestling world heavyweight champion. So that made him an all-time, overall, five-time world champion. And also he was a World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion on one occasion. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, this guy sounds like he had a heck of a career. Well, it's true, he did. But when he came to the WWF in 1990, you want to talk about a company that dropped the ball on a major star. Well, they dropped it in a big way because he debuted on Saturday night's main event. First of all, not even under his real name, Kerry Von Erich, even though the announcers did openly acknowledge who he was, they decided to call him Texas Tornado. So, all right, he makes his debut at SummerSlam that year. He did manage to capture the Intercontinental Championship from Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. So that was a big victory for him, no question about it. But he only held the title until a November 19th taping of Superstars. And he never really was brought back into the title picture after that. He competed at various pay-per-views, still had a bunch of mid-card feuds, but he never really rose to prominence after this this uh, Intercontinental title run. And that's where they dropped the ball, because he could have been a multiple-time Intercontinental champion. He could have at least challenged for the WWF title at some point. He had that famous uh, feud with Ric Flair in the mid-'80s. Ric Flair was champion at one point. He could have challenged Ric Flair, even if it was just on some house shows or something, just to reignite the feud. But that didn't happen. And unfortunately, as we all know, in 1993, Kerry Von Erich's life ended very tragically. He actually t he took his own life, unfortunately, um, via gunshot, um, because he was dealing with all sorts of uh, marital troubles at the time, he, battling a painkiller addiction. I mean, it's just the Von Erich family itself is has often been said that they were cursed because of the deaths of four of the Von Erich brothers. But uh, yeah. Kerry Von Erich, super talented wrestler, just not utilized his full potential in the World Wrestling Federation, unfortunately. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Yeah, uh, so I have I have to agree with everything you said. The Von uh, Kerry Von Erich was an amazing wrestler. Uh, even though I know we haven't agreed on 
uh, all of our picks here lately. This pick was was spot on. This guy, okay, so yeah, he was a great wrestler, but his family, all of his brothers, by the way, the four brothers that committed suicide were all wrestlers and good wrestlers at that. So just for those of you that are not familiar with this family, these weren't just your normal average, you know, brothers. They were all wrestlers and they were at the top of their game. Uh, there was one named Evan, uh, Evan, Evan or Evan, Carrie, Sam Evans or something like that. He was amazing. I think he was, if he wouldn't have took his life at such an early age, I think he would have been a bigger star than all of them. But he was amazing, and it's a shame. I cannot remember his name. But uh, anyways, it was Carrie's younger brother. Carrie Von Erich, actually, I thought he was going to make it. Not, I don't mean like in the WWE, but I thought he was going to make it and not do this to himself because it was later on, years after the other brothers, the first, the first three suicides were like, Almost back to back. I couldn't, could you even, I couldn't even imagine as a parent what the parents or a brother, uh, went through, but they weren't like the same year or anything, but they were close, very, very close in proximity. And Carrie was years later. So I think there's something one day, it hasn't come out yet, but I think there's going to come, something's going to come out one day about the Von Erics that there was mental health, mental health issues in that family. Got to be. For you to put a gun to your head and pull the trigger, you cannot, I just, you can't be in your right mind. And I think there was a lot of mental health issues. Remember, we're talking back in the 80s when it wasn't talked about like it is now. And 90s, it just, I don't know, it was a very tragic and sad situation. And I think it's, I think it's going to come back to mental health. I've said that for years now. But yeah, one of my favorites, Carrie Von Eric. so... Yeah, definitely pleased that you picked him. Uh, actually, I'm kind of ticked off that uh, you got to do him before me. <laughs> All right, so let's get to my fantasy booking for this episode. Oh, my fantasy booking is Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. Also, also, they were a tag team, by the way, and I'll go. I'll get more involved. But also, there's a third wheel called Jackie Fulton, who would tag who would tag team sometimes with his brother Bobby under the same name. And that iconic name, the Fantastic. Now, for those of you that have never heard of the Fantastic, I can understand because it's an older school. But, 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 these guys had feud and would would rule the 80s and 90s over the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, these guys were just like their name, Fantastic. They had to look. They had the ability. And they wrestled a bunch of different promotions. Mid-South Wrestling, they actually started there in 1984. And they moved to World Class Championship Wrestling where they, where they fought for 1984 all the way to 85 where they actually won the American Tag Team Championship belts twice. Twice. And before they're leaving, they won the WCWA Tag Team Championship twice as well within that one-year period. As I mentioned, uh, they were in Mid-South Wrestling, uh, Continental Wrestling Association, World Class Championship Wrestling. They were in All all Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, in the World Championship Wrestling, WCW, 
Uh, they were the NWA United States Tag Team Champions twice. And Smoky Mountain Wrestling, they were the Tag Team Champions there. They were there from 91 to 92. Now, the reason why I picked these guys, you are I know you're thinking, well, they won titles everywhere they went. Almost. There's one company, one company that actually brought these guys in. However, they didn't use them as a tag team. They had them facing each other in a tournament. That's right. You guessed it. The WWF in 1997, while not wrestling together, both Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton made an appearance as the World Wrestling Federation began to showcase its new light heavyweight division. The partners would face off against each other on June 16th when Rogers wrestled Bobby on an episode of Raw's War as a part of the tournament to crown the inaugural WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. Rogers defeated uh, Foden in the match, but he would lose to Brian Christopher in the next round of the tournament. Okay, so once again, not looking back at other promotions, and the WWF was so bad. Vince McMahon, let's just be honest, he was so bad at this. I mean, I went over it when I did my uh, fantasy booking on Raven and a couple other wrestlers. He's so bad at not looking at other promotions back then and seeing what these guys were. He had the golden egg, man. He could have, we're talking 97, these guys are still in their prime. He had the golden egg of tag teams. Think about during that time frame, who was on top of the tag team world. You didn't really have a whole lot. This was after demolition. This was after the Road Warriors. There, there was no Mid- Midnight Express there. The uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty had already split up. He missed a golden opportunity. And that's why they were my pick for this episode. Your thoughts, sir? Well, I will say the unfortunate part about this uh, pick, Kentucky guy, which this this sounds like a very good pick, don't misunderstand me, is that my sample size of the Fantastics is very, very small. So I can't really make an argument for or against, but being the certified wrestling expert that you are, I, I, I will trust that you made a really good pick this week. And it definitely, by the sounds, and again, a little bit of research that I've done, these guys were stars everywhere they were used, except when they were brought into the World Wrestling Federation, where they said, oh, uh, th- this uh, great tag team that were, you know, stars in Mid-South and, you know, the NWA and World-Class Championship Wrestling. Yeah, let's let's split them up and wrestle each other. That makes perfect sense. That would have been like if the World Wrestling Federation brought um, the Road Warriors into the company and decided we're going to we're going to split them up and uh, make Hawk and Animal singles wrestlers. It just doesn't make any sense. Um or, or like the Hart Foundation before uh, Bret Hart, uh, you know, became a single star. But it's like, yeah, um, Vince McMahon wouldn't wouldn't keep up with the times. He just would bring talents in and would say, would just randomly say, well, they're small, so we'll use them in the light heavyweight. Just a terrible idea, terrible use of the talent. And no, no question, these guys, like you said, were stars for many, many years. And just, yeah, their uh, their time in the WWF was botched, to say the least. And you know what's crazy is the WCW, they had these guys actually defeat the Four Horsemen. They actually utilized these guys the right way. And that's the company that we always talk about that went out of business for bad utilization. <laughs> so it goes to show you right there, and I have to be honest, if Vince McMahon didn't have the money 
don't get me wrong. He changed the sport that we love. He changed professional wrestling, right? He, he done, he done wonders for it. But let's be honest. There's a time frame there when the rock and stone Cold and the attitude era hit at the beginning. If they wouldn't have, and Vince McMahon didn't have the money that he had to weather the storm. I don't know if there would currently be a WWF that is currently for sale or WWE that is currently for sale right now. And I found out the price tag for $9 billion is the asking price. I don't think that company would exist. I just don't. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and DX saved him. And I think the money that he had prior that he made that he deserves, I mean, he, he turned it around, actually got him through the struggles that he brought on himself by doing crap like this right here. This is my thoughts on that. Okay, so I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to wrestling news and rumors. All right, let's go over the first headline. A Cody Rhodes reunion with Bullet Club happened at a WWE live event. Cody Rhodes bet on himself when he left WWE years ago and went to the independent scene where he wrestled all over the world, including for promotions such as Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, before helping launch AEW. He was also a member of the Bullet Club. He had a Bullet Club reunion during Saturday's WWE live event at the State Farm Center in Champaign, Illinois. Gallus and Anderson defeated Judgment Day, Dominic Mysterio and, da- and Damian Priest, earlier in the night before they came out after Rhodes beat Finn Balor. It happened when Rhodes stated that he wanted to join a club. Gallows and Anderson and Rhodes did the two-sweet gesture. Gallows, Anderson, and Rhodes will be teaming up together at upcoming house shows. Rhodes will challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal uh, title, of course, we know that, at WrestleMania Goes to Hollywood. Okay, so... uh yeah, I'm okay with that. Here's the thing. You can't use you can't use the the name Bullet Club in WWE because that's a Japan thing. And uh the original guy that started the Bullet Club, for all of you that don't know the history, uh yeah, that's the guy you just beat, Finn Balor. So, <laughs> yeah, you want to join a club? I mean, Balor's got the Balor Club, Judgment Day, but uh yeah, I don't know, kind of odd timing there. Anyway, sir, your thought? To me, this pairing makes no sense because Cody Rhodes was a member of Bullet Club at one point when he worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor. The Good Brothers were also members of Bullet Club. In fact, they were original members alongside Finn Bauer. And then they rejoined after they left WWE for a bit and they aligned themselves again with the elite, Kenny Omega and Young Bucks. But... They were not, not members at the same time uh, with Bullet Club that Cody Rhodes was. So that's why I'm like, all right, I get the Bullet Club connection, and I get that Cody Rhodes needs backup, whether he's feuding with Judgment Day or the Bloodline. I, I get that, but this pairing just doesn't make any sense to me. He has no real personal history with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. I mean, yeah, I mean... Give the Good Brothers something to do right now. I, I I don't have a problem with that because AJ Styles is out with an injury currently, so you can't have the OC. But yeah, this is yeah this is weird. I mean, I guess the fact that it's just a house show pairing, you know, it, it, it's fine. But I, I mean, I don't see this 
it coming over to TV anytime soon. Maybe it will. Uh, then they're just testing the waters. I don't know. They weren't in the Bullet Club at the same time. <laughs> Gallows and Anderson were actually in the WWE when Cody Rhodes was in the Bullet Club in New Japan. So, yeah, uh, it's just you're right. It's it's strange. It really is. Okay, so you've got the next two headlines. Before we go there, though, I've got Ring of Honor TV. I've got some spoilers. Okay, I've got some people a uh, list of people who are going to be fighting and so forth, and there are several. Several New Japan Pro Wrestling wrestlers involved, and also several title matches as well. So, as we mentioned, Ring of Honor's weekly t- t- television program will launch in March on March second on the Ring of uh, on the Honor Club streaming service. Some of the matches that have already that are getting ready to take place on the first night are Mark Briscoe versus Slim J. I say that one would go mark pretty easy. Uh, the Kingdom, Matt Tavern and Mike Bennett uh, against the Infantry, Sean Dean and Charlie Bravo. I think the Kingdom will, of course, win that. I, I, in my opinion, I actually don't know the Infantry that well. I've seen them a couple times, but they're not really star stars. Uh, New Japan World, uh, New Japan Wrestling World Television Champion. Ship is on the line. Zack Sabre Jr., by the way, if you guys have never had a chance to watch him wrestle, he is awesome. Take my word for it. He is the current champion. And he's going to be facing Blake Christian, another, ooh, man. Ugh. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one there. I say Zack Sabre will uh, will pull it off. Uh, now, did you want to make some predictions on these two, sir? That's, uh, that's three I think have went over. Yeah, um... Definitely Mark Briscoe over Slim J. I don't know why you would book Slim J to beat Mark Briscoe. Uh, I would agree with the pick of the Kingdom beating the Infantry. And yeah, I don't, I don't see Zack Sabre dropping the World Television title at, at this TV taping. If he were to drop the title, it would probably be on a New Japan program, not on a Ring of Honor program. Yeah, and uh, ah, but have you? I don't know if you're familiar with Blake Christian though. He's, ooh man, he is. I tell you, I'll tell you the best way to describe him for those of you that are listening that aren't familiar. He is a younger, believe it or not, and this gentleman's young, but he is a younger Will Offspray is what he is. That's who he reminds me of. He's, he does it all. He does the high flying. He does he just so it's going to be a test for Zach Saber, but I do see Saber winning. Uh, let's see. We also have Christopher Daniels in action. Uh, he's going to go against uh, Rohit Raji. I never have been able to pronounce that guy's name, but I tell you what, I am a fan of his, not a fan of his wrestling. I cannot see Christopher Daniels, though, who is semi-retired with AEW, not winning this match. They're, they had to offer him a lot to come out of uh, semi-retirement. And then we have uh, Tashada facing Josh Woods. We know Tashada will win that match. No problem. The Embassy, which is Brian Cage, Quan, and Toa Loco. They will, they will put up their uh, Ring of Honor Triple Tag Team Championships against Joe Keys, Rex Lawless, and Leon St. Giovanni. Uh, the Embassy, I feel, is, will win this match, even though the other, the people that they're facing, I know Joe Keys and Rex Lawless used to be a part of the New Japan uh, Trio Championship at one time. They're not anymore. I don't know 
where Leon, uh, Leon St. Giovanni even got in this match or how he teamed up with those two, but yeah. And then let's see, we have, uh, Ari Davari versus, uh, Mascara Dorada. Oh, you know what? So I guess they're finally going to give Ari Davari a win because if he can't beat, uh, Mascara Dorada, he needs to retire, get out of the sport. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, sir, you want to make a prediction on those? Well, I guess I, I guess Arya Davari might be calling it a day. Then I'm going to go with uh, Dorada to win that matchup. Never, never under, underestimate a luchador, Kentucky guy. One hundred percent, I think the Embassy are going to retain the the ROH Six Man Tag Team Championship. They 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 just started their reign. You you want to keep booking them to look strong. I definitely think Kushida is going to win his match as well. And if I were a betting man, I would always bet on the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. So I, I'm also going to going to predict that he is going to defeat uh, Rahib Raju. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I think it'd be a mistake for them not to, not to let uh, Christopher Daniels win that match. Uh, I tell you what, there is a lot, a lot of matches here. Uh, Willow Nightingale, she is going to face uh, Lady Frost. Ah, you know, Willow win that match. Lady Frost is been on a losing streak in uh, Impact and on W or MLW for months now. So at one time she used to have a pretty good groove, but she just she just couldn't do it. Uh, we have the Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio in action, and he will face AR Fox. Yeah, I don't see them letting Claudio lose the title to that guy. Uh, Ring of Honor Television Championship is on the line. Samoa Joe versus Tony Deppen. And that should be pretty, <sighs> nah, I'm going to say Joe retains, even though I like Tony Depp and uh, some of the things that he can do. But it does look like, let's see if I made that, if I, uh, let's see, it does look like that. Okay, so here is a spoiler. <laughs> okay, I figured out what was going on here. This is a spoiler, guys. So after this match, Samoa Joe is going to, and this is for another night. Remember, they're going. This is going to be on once a week. Is going to issue an open challenge for the next week. Evidently, he's going to win the title back then. So, I mean, that's the only way it makes any sense. Issued an open challenge, and Mark Briscoe is going to answer that challenge. So that's a match that's coming up. Ooh, that'll be a doozy. That'll be a good one. I'm not making any predictions until we know that it's definitely going to happen. But that's what my notes say. Don Castle and the boys, they take on Marcus Cross, Cody Chon, and Julio Rossa. Don Castle and the boys is such a funny gimmick. And I really just, I mean, <laughs> the boys aren't very good, but I think they'll beat these three knuckleheads pretty easy. And then we have, uh, man, there's just so many more. I don't want to get too far ahead, sir. You want to go ahead and uh, give your predictions on these so far? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go think out of the box here and say that Lady Frost is going to snap her losing streak and she's going to beat Willow Nightingale. Um, Claudio is definitely going to beat A.R. Fox. Uh, I, I am, and I'm, I'm a Samoa Joe fan, so I'm going with him to retain the ROH World Television title. And um, yeah, I'm going with Dalton Castle and the boys to, w to win this matchup. I, I've never heard of the three opponents, so I, I'm guessing this is definitely going to be a win. Now, what are your thoughts about Mark Briscoe facing your boy, Joe? 
Smojo. As Jim Ross would say, it's going to be a slander knocker. I think <laughs> I think you hit the uh, nail right on the head there. Absolutely. We have uh, La Fanchencio, which is Rush and Durillis, and they will fight. They're going to go against Sap, which is uh, Serpentico and Angelico. Okay, so I know I know all these wrestlers except the uh, Durillistico guy that's teaming with Rush. I say Rush is a good enough wrestler. He's going to pull off the victory. Uh, Angelico and uh, Serpentico are great luchador wrestlers. However, and by the way, Angelico is actually a white guy, but he, he's still an amazing luchador wrestler. These are these guys are fantastic. However, they normally lose. They normally put other people over. Let's just be honest. So I think that's what's going to happen. And then we have Trisha Door versus Billy Starks. Of course, Trish is going to win this match. Billy Starks is a good wrestler, but eh, you know, she she she's about a mid card, middle of the pack wrestler. And then we have the Trustbusters, Ari Davari and Slim J, and they're going to face Manscout and Jake Christ. Huh. You know what? I think Trustbusters are going to win a match. I think they're going to beat these guys. Weird, but I do think so. Then the pure champ, I tell you, how are they going to, how long is the show? Then are the, the ROH, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, this has got to be multiple episodes they're taping. You think so? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because other, otherwise this is going to be like a four-hour show. I'm telling you, I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> we have uh, the Ring of Honor peer champion, Willer Yuta, and he's going to, oh, he does a call-out, and Timothy Thatcher, oh, Timothy Thatcher actually answers the call. Okay, so Willer Yuta is going to retain. He's not going to lose that title on the first show of this. All right, sir. So uh, I think that finally got through them all. What are your thoughts on those? Well, well, I want to say I agree with the Trustbusters prediction in this case. So, yeah, Trustbusters to win their match. Um, what, what were the two women's? Billy Starks. And what was the other woman's name again? Yeah, it was, uh, let's see, it was Billy Starks and uh, Trish. Trish, the winner. Trish today, or, or who I think is going to win. I would agree with that prediction. Yeah, I would, I would say she's going to win the match over Billy Starks. Um, Wheeler Yuta versus Timothy Thatcher. Thatcher is going to stretch. The, it's going to stretch Wheeler. I can tell you that it's not going to be an easy victory for him, but I will predict that Wheeler is going to, going to retain the pure championship. Um, and then there's one more. Uh, match. Rush. Uh, Ru- uh, Ru- yes, Rush. Rush and his tagging partner, I also predict, are going to win their match over Serpentico and Angelico. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're. Uh, I think you're spot on there. I really wish with this television show, and this is just me, I really wish they would have gave it a little more time and let Chris Jericho go into this with the uh, heavyweight title. I think it would have gave it more, more meaning. I guess you could say. All right, sir. So you have the uh, next two headlines. Here we go. Let me get the buzzard. Plans for controversial gimmick of Raw star to return had to be scrapped. Demon Finn Balor was set to return to WWE last month. It has been claimed. Balor was set to face Edge at the Royal Rumble before Triple H was forced into changing his plan. Finn Balor last appeared as the Demon at Extreme Rules 2021 during his Universal Championship match with Roman Reigns. However, Fightful Select is reporting that Triple H had plans to bring the controversial character back 
for a match at the Royal Rumble last month. Based on internal plans, not only was Edge versus Finn Bauer listed as a Hell in a Cell match for Royal Rumble, but the Demon version of Finn Bauer was slated to perform. As noted, WWE had plans to have the Demon return for a Hell in a Cell match with Edge at the Royal Rumble, but with the WWE Hall of Famer filming a movie just before the pay-per-view, plans had to be changed. Edge and Finn Bauer look set to battle again at WrestleMania 39, and while some fans loved the Demon, particularly during Bauer's first run, in NXT, Vince McMahon's use of the character on the main roster soured a lot of people to it. As such, some people within WWE, according to Fightful, were against Bauer using his demon persona at the Royal Rumble last month. WWE felt as if the demon was needed for the match, against just emphasizing how divisive and controversial the character really is. Well, I've never necessarily heard the character to be quote-unquote controversial and divisive and I think for a while they were actually making pretty good use of the demon on the main roster I mean the demon was the one who defeated Seth Rollins at SummerSlam 2016 to become the first universal champion now obviously Finn Balor couldn't take advantage of that because of his shoulder injury at the time but he's also wrestled Bray Wyatt at different points he wrestled AJ Styles at TLC I think it was in 2017 he had the match, of course, with Roman Reigns at uh, Extreme Rules 2021. So, I mean, they've used it, the character in moderation, and I think it's still been pretty effective for the most part. But I honestly don't think that the demon fits as well with the Judgment Day um, gimmick. I feel like the demon is something that Finn Bauer does when he's flying solo, not as a part of a faction. So that's just my opinion. Kentucky guy, what are your thoughts? Well, here's the thing. How can you, how can you do this supernatural with Uncle Howdy and everything Bray Wyatt's doing right now, and then be against the Demon <laughs> and Finn Balor? So yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The executives not wanting to see that. I personally, if WrestleMania, if it's going to be Edge versus Finn Balor and Hell in a Cell, like they're talking about, if that actually happens. I would rather see the demon come out and fight him. Now, if he was tagging with Damian Priest, Dominic, or Rhea Ripley, that would be different. Yeah, you know, no. But a singles match, I think that, uh, I think it'd be okay. And I think I'd be okay with it. Actually, I'd prefer it in the hell of a cell because I think, man, oh man, we haven't seen it for forever, it seems like. And, uh, he's pretty phenomenal. He almost took out Roman Reigns' title run. As the demon, so yeah. All right, sir. So you have the next headline. Let's do the buzzers. WWE's Drew McIntyre takes a shot at Jake Paul. Oh, this ought to be a good one. While he has entertained the idea of going to WWE, Jake Paul is focusing on his boxing career as he has beaten the likes of YouTuber Anson Gibb. NBA star Nate Robinson, MMA stars Ben Askren, Tyron Woodley, and Anderson Silva. He will take on Tommy Fury, the brother of Tyson Fury, on Sunday. Logan Paul unsuccessfully challenged Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal title at the Crown Jewel Premium Live event last November, which saw Jake get involved as he evened the odds for his brother against the, the bloodline. Drew McIntyre joined Sheamus for an episode of Celtic Warrior Workouts, 
where they did some training with three-time world kickboxing champion Bernard Swift Kick Robinson. To promote it, McIntyre fired a shot at Jake by writing, One day of boxing and already better than Jake Paul. Sheamus replied, Book it. Well, I say, don't book it. Because first of all, it, it sounds like, and I don't really follow, follow boxing these days. I only know the names of a few fighters. But most of these guys that Jake Paul has beaten don't even sound like real legitimate boxers. So we're supposed to believe that this YouTube star who thinks he's a boxer can step into a ring with a former world champion like Drew McIntyre and hold his own. Now, Logan Paul, I'll give him credit. He surprised everybody with his performance against Roman Reigns. But my least favorite part of that match was the whole run-in by, by Jake Paul. Because first of all, I wasn't really even that impressed by his punches that he threw at the Usos. And if security hadn't jumped in and held Solo Sokoa back, um, Solo would have Samoan spiked Jake Paul all the way back to the U.S. from Saudi Arabia. So that's all I have to say about Jake Paul. Keep him out of the wrestling ring. He can, he can accompany Logan to the, to the ring during matches, but keep him out of the actual ring. All right. So fortunately for everybody listening, I am a boxing fan. And I watched this boxing match last night, which was Tommy Fury against Jake Paul. This was the first time that Jake Paul boxed an actual boxer. All of his other opponents, I've watched them all. These guys are former MMA, UFC, and a basketball star who are retired and old. Tommy Fury, who, by the way, is the brother of the world heavyweight boxing champion Tyson Fury, is 23 years old and has grew up his whole family boxes. And I am happy to say Jake Paul got his first loss yesterday by split decision and Tommy Fury. And I don't know. The only reason why it was split is because one judge for some reason had Jake winning. And I'm telling you, Tommy's punches were so, so spot on and so clean. There was no way Jake Paul could have ever won that match. I mean, he beat him. Now, Jake Paul's yelling, you know, yeah, I'd like to run it back and have a rematch. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. If they have a rematch, I think Tommy Fury will knock him out. I'm just, I thought he was going to yet last night. You talk, It was a heck of a fight. It went all eight rounds. Now, Drew McIntyre can't stand him. I'd like to see anybody step in there and knock him out, except Jake Paul. Because if there's anyone that I despise more than Logan Paul is Jake Paul. Can't stand the guy. He made a mockery out of the sport, one of the sports I love, out of boxing. So go back, sir. You've proved it. You're just a YouTube fighter. You cannot stand with a real boxer such as Tommy Fury, and you lost. You lost, and you lost, and you know you lost. Even your trainer, your trainer, said after that match, he doesn't know if you could actually win a rematch against Tommy Fury. Go back to fighting celebrities, bub, and people that are 15, 60 years old. That's all I got to say about that. Okay, so let's go over, before we go on to any more headlines, let's go over the SmackDown results, some SmackDown results. So we had Imperium, and they went against Braun Strowman, Ricochet, and Madcap Moss. Very weird combination there. Uh, Imperium did win. Gunther. The ring general leading the way. Kobe Kingston was in a impromptu match versus LA Knight. 
I don't understand this, but Kobe Kingston won the match with Xavier Woods' help. Of course, he distracted L.A. Knight, but I, I just I think L.A. Knight deserved that win. I don't know why they gave it to Kobe. And we had Nat, uh, Natalia. She went up against Shayna Baszler. Uh, Shayna Baszler won the match. And actually, Ronda and Shayna were getting ready to take Natalia back out and break her arm. And Tegan Knox got involved, who I'm still unimpressed with. And then uh, we had, uh, and I'll go over one more, sir, and we'll get your get your thoughts. Uh, and then Rey Mysterio, uh, he went up against Karrion Cross. Dominic did interfere in the match and cost Rey the match. I don't think Karrion Cross needed his help. However, Rey Mysterio still has not hit Dominic, and I thought he was actually going to Friday. So I don't know if that match is going to happen during WrestleMania or not because of one of the headlines I'll be reading later. So anyway, sir, your thoughts so far on SmackDown. Well, thank you, Triple H, for finally booking Kerry and Cross to win a match. Even though I wasn't 100% happy with how the victory was booked, at least he recorded a win over a legend like Rey Mysterio. Um, I'm glad to see Imperium pick up another victory. They're, they're a powerful group, and especially with Gunther as their, as their leader in the Intercontinental Champion. It only makes sense for them to win. Same thing with Shayna Baszler beating Natalia. I mean, she and Ronda are being booked to look very strong right now, and we know that they're, they're going to be getting a challenge. They're going to challenge for the tag titles at some point. So, you, again, you've got to make them look strong. Um, and then uh, the last Kobe match, Kingston uh, and uh, L.A. Knight. Kobe Kingston. Oh, you know, well, you know why I blanked on it, uh, Kentucky guy, because I wanted to, I wanted to pretend that it was just a bad nightmare that I witnessed that L.A. Knight had to lose this match. I'm, I, I'm a huge Kofi Kingston fan. I respect all of his accomplishments in the ring, but I feel like his career is winding down at this point. And L.A. Knight, you know, he's been in the business a lot of years too, but he, he, he deserves a push. And for him to lose this match, it just, yeah, it made me want to throw my, uh, throw my remote at the TV. I didn't do that because it's an expensive TV, but uh, but the temptation was there. Yeah, I don't care how expensive they are. I bust them all the time. <laughs> all right, so we have uh, then also on SmackDown. So that's all the actual matches, right? But we did see the Firehouse, Firefly Funhouse, and Bray Wyatt, kind of a odd version, in my opinion. Because it kept showing, and I, you know, I read you guys the interview that Bray Wyatt did before, uh, before a couple pay per views ago, before he had that match with L.A. Knight, and he said that the Fiend was dead. However, Bray Wyatt has been known to lie before, <laughs> because, and the only reason why I say that is because the blinking of red light, it looked like the Fiend, it looked like the Fiend was coming back from everything that I've seen on the Firehouse Funfly. Also, what a weird what a weird segment when you had two dolls of the Undertaker, like figures, wrestling each other. And who opened the door? And can you keep a secret? Was said over and over by Bray Wyatt. And Uncle Howdy is now the weatherman. So yeah. And I've got some headlines that we'll go over here in a little bit discussing that segment, but I, wa I didn't want to just walk away from SmackDown not mentioning that. And then also, in, at the end of SmackDown, Jimmy hits the ring, Jimmy Uso, trying to get a hold of his brother. 
And he says he knows if his brother's there and watching to come on out. Well, here's the thing. Here comes Sami Zayn out. He comes to the ring, and he starts to talk to Jimmy. He told Jimmy it hurts him to hear him use the word brother because that's what he thought they were. Uh, he said Jimmy had his back from day one when everyone else in the bloodline didn't trust him. He was the one who made him the honorary Uso. Yet, he took him down with no hesitation, and that hurt him. Jimmy said Sammy was the one who made the choice and pulled the trigger. He stepped on him and Jay, so what did he expect them to do? Sammy said family doesn't manipulate him every week like Roman Reigns did to him. And he did, and as he did to Jay for years. At this point, Jay Uso is in the crowd, and he appears in the stands. Sammy said the bloodline is not about Roman Reigns. It's about one man. He is going to make sure the bloodline comes crumbling down. But just like he told Jay, there's a way out for him, and he doesn't have to go down with the ship. As Sammy glanced up at Jay in the stands, Jimmy attacked Sammy. As Jimmy was telling Jay to get in the ring, Sammy hit the hula kick on him. Solo came to the ring, but Sammy did escape. I thought that segment right there was very interesting. We did not see Kevin Owens at all, and we still don't know what's going on with Jay. Now, I've got to be honest, March is here like in two days, and then it's it's gonna be it's gonna be WrestleMania before we know it. So if they're doing this, they need to get on the ball and work this story out between Sammy and Kevin Owens, possibly even tonight, and have Jay make his mind up if they want to have that match. I'd like to see the match, but I can't I cannot say that this isn't interesting the way they're leaving us hanging. So <laughs> I'm good either way right now. Your thoughts on uh, the rest of SmackDown, sir? The Bray Wyatt segment certainly had me um, cracking up because it was once again one of those uh, segments that you're not expecting. Uh, it, it was the weirdest uh, variation on the Firefly Funhouse I've ever seen, but it, it still entertained me. And it, it, as always, it leaves you with more questions. Um if they are actually going to be moving forward with a Bray Wyatt-Bobby Lashley match at WrestleMania, then I'm hoping that they're going to do something that's a little bit similar to what they did with the Firefly Funhouse at WrestleMania 36. Obviously not copying it beat for beat. You also have to remember, if it's Bray Wyatt primarily carrying it, because Bobby Lashley doesn't have the same type of personality that John Cena does. So... You couldn't rely on as much uh, as much acting as you could with the Firefly Funhouse, but I am interested to see what they're going to do with the storyline. And then the Sami Zayn uh, Jimmy Uso segment was great. I appreciated that Sami was able to get a little bit of payback for what's been happening at the last couple of pay per views. He's always been on the receiving end, and now he actually was allowed to dish it out a little bit. So, uh, yeah, good segment. Yeah, the uh, the Bray Wyatt Bobby Lashley match. I think that's going to happen because uh, he showed Bobby Lashley talking, mentioning Bray Wyatt's name when Bray was sitting there acting like the producer <laughs> watching a television. That that whole firefly, I, I don't know. Did you catch what I was talking about, though, before I move on, about the Fiend, about the red lights, and it looked like, I don't know, for some reason it looked like the Fiend's old mask in the doorway and what have you. Did you catch that? 
I, I mean, it was it was very quick, so I, I it's possible I could have missed it, but I but I believe exactly what you're saying because that's how much that's how much detail there always is in a Bray Wyatt segment. There are things you could easily miss, but if you hit rewind or watch it or watch it at a slower speed, you can kind of see. Oh wait, they were dropping some hints here. We might not have seen the end of the Fiend after all. I hope not. Uh, he was one of my favorite characters of Bray Wyatt. Now. And you're right about having to go back and rewatch it because uh, I'm sick <laughs> in the head, by the way. So if I hear something or somebody says something or I'm watching a video and somebody says, oh, did you see this? And then I'll immediately go back and rewind and fast forward and get it to that section and watch it in slow motion and uh, study it because, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by this story uh, from the very beginning, from the white rabbit on. So. Okay, so let's go over the next headline. Kenny Omega is said to be open-minded about going to the WWE. There's been a lot of talk about Kenny Omega's future in AEW or with the WWE in recent weeks because his contract was supposed to expire in late January. Dave Meltzer reported that Omega's contract has been extended to make up for time he was out with injuries, but it's unclear how much longer he has on the extended time. During a PD, uh, PWT audio show, Wade Keller talked about Omega's potential WWE move. Quote, I haven't independently verified rumors of WWE being interested in Omega, Keller said. Quote, I have confirmed they're aware of Omega's open-mindedness to come to the WWE. That's what I've been told, that he's open-minded to landing in WWE before his career is over. The attitude is not, I love AEW, I'm going to stay here forever. That is not apparently the belief within the WWE. They don't believe that Kenny's mindset is at that point. Keller continued, quote, Omega is value, valued within WWE from what I can see, asserted by people whose opinions count. But he is not seen at this, at this stage as a wrestler who is so good in the ring that they are just going to do anything to get him. I think they are very happy with their roster. I think they have a lot of great wrestlers who are at Kenny's level. Kenny would be a good addition. I know there is curiosity and intrigue about what they could do with him if they were able to direct him a little bit better because his character work in three-plus years of Dynamite has not been, and that's true, has not been particularly compelling. Keller went on to say that there is something there because of his popularity, and he added, Quote, in terms of being a weekly TV series character, that's something the WWE would be, I think, excited to explore creatively with him. But I don't think he would come in and be seen as a guy who they just going to track to headline WrestleMania like Cody has gotten. I think there's a belief that there's more to Cody, more of a future, given Cody's age and wear and tear on his body, being less and just as WWE-ready character and promo, and there's more turnkey main event, multi-year potential in Cody than Kenny Omega. Omega turns 40 later this year, and he's talked about the wear and tear taking a toll on his body. The AEW schedule will not allow him to work less dates, so a jump to WWE is not a foregone conclusion, and there's a very real possibility that he would decide to stay with the, w with the AEW as well. Wow. So, man, 
They just spoke this in existence. Uh, let's make it happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. He's turning 40. He's in the twilight of his career. Let's do it. Let's get him. Let, let's just do it. Let's do it. I'm all for I'm here for it. Let's do it. Your thoughts. I'm all for it too, Kentucky guy. This would be the best opportunity and the right time to bring him in. He's a great talent, and I understand we, they already have a ton of talent on their roster, but what's, what's the problem with having one more really talented guy? Think of all the matchups you could have, all the pay-per-views that, that he could headline. Um, I, I think it's time to, you know, do your business or get off the pot, if you know what I'm saying, when it comes to uh, Kenny Omega. Hey, here's the thing. If they were that worried about age and wear and tear on body, they would be going harder after Jay White than they would Kenny Omega. Jay White's a lot younger than Kenny Omega. So that's not it. They're looking at this guy. Triple H knows, man. This guy's a superstar. And this would be the lane. I think you get Kenny Omega, you get the Young Bucks. That's just how it is. And I think that would be the land of the century for WWE. <laughs> it would be, and I got to stop getting excited about it, but I would love to see it happen. All right, sir, you have the next two headlines. Potential spoiler on, forgot to wait for the buzzer. Potential spoiler on WWE's plans for Shawn Michaels' Grayson Waller storyline. For the past few weeks, WWE has been doing angles with Grayson Waller and Shawn Michaels in NXT. It started when Waller interrupted Michaels post-Vengeance Day media scrum after he had lost to NXT champion Braun Breaker in the main event of the show. Waller was kept off television before he returned. This week on NXT TV, the show's the show saw Waller get into an exchange with Michaels backstage. It ended with Waller taking over the production truck, which Michaels did with Triple H and DX. This storyline has led fans led to fans speculating where WWE is going with this feud and whether it will lead to Michaels coming out of retirement for another match. The WRKD Wrestling Twitter account, which previously broke the news of Lita's recent WWE TV return, noted that there has been talk about having Michaels introduce top free agent signing Dragon Lee to NXT TV for a match with Waller on his behalf. Well, I will say that if this is a way to debut Dragon Lee against one of their top young prospects in NXT, this would be a great way to segue into it. What I don't want to see, and this is all due respect to one of the greatest workers of all time, Shawn Michaels has no reason to come out of retirement for another matchup. He shouldn't have come out of retirement for that tag team match against the Brothers of Destruction a couple of years ago. He had the perfect send-off at WrestleMania 26. Nothing more to prove. Let him still be an on-camera presence. That's fine. But have two young young up-and-coming talents feud in NXT because you could... You could you could improve the stock of both guys that way. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I, yeah, I mean, even though us the people who grew up like everybody knows that Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time, right? Everybody knows this that listens to this program. Here's the thing, though, his days are done, and that's how come I loved the last DX segment <laughs> when Judgment Day come out there and Triple H is like. Or Imperial come out there and Triple H is like, I'm retired. <laughs> and Michaels just put his head down and so he goes, yeah, I'm done too. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that was ever the case. That is just some diehard fans who would like to see Michaels go one more time. 
And you're always going to have that, mainly because of Ric Flair, who always gave in and wrestled one more time. So you're always, it, it doesn't matter if it's Hulk Hogan, it doesn't matter if it's Triple H, uh, all these famous wrestlers that had a, a strong following and diehard fans, they're always going to have that in the back of their mind and hoping that that's going to happen. So I can see where it comes from. I can understand it too, as a Shawn Michaels fan. I can understand it, but I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Remember, I used to be a big Ric Flair fan too until he went out and embarrassed himself like an old man at his last match. So, yeah, let's not let's not do that, Sean. And I think this is the right way. Bring somebody out to fight on your behalf. And I think this is going to be perfect. These guys know what they're doing. I have no concern when it comes to creative under Shawn Michaels and Triple H. So, yeah. All right, so let's go on to the uh, next headline. Dex Harwood got emotional hearing Michael Cole say Shatter Machine at WWE Elimination Chamber. On the latest FTR with Dex podcast, Dax Harwood and Matt Kuhn talked about this past Saturday's WWE Elimination Chamber premium live event. Dax talked about training with Edge and the use of the Shatter Machine during the Elimination Chamber show. I don't want to give the wrong impression to fans when I say this, especially with our contracts coming up in April, but hearing the name Shatter Machine, my wife, like when I watched it and saw it for the first time, the Shatter Machine and those guys hit it. You heard Michael Cole call it. I was watching on my phone and I rewound it. My wife just started filming me. I didn't know she was filming me, but I said to her, Oh man, I'm so emotional right now. She said, Why are you so emotional? Because they did your finishing move? I said, Well, yeah, that's very respectful, but I'm more emotional that they called it the Shatter Machine because that's the name that I came up with. He continued, It was emotional to me that we have made a little small impact on the business that I have loved and cherished and admired for my whole existence, right? We've made this little bit of impact where we came up with a move, we named a move, and they're still calling it that move. That, to me, is so humbling. We are watching it and hearing it still called the Shatter Machine really made me feel. Very lucky that those guys respect us enough to do it. So, oh, and also, I'm also lucky that the company respects us enough to still call it that, because they would have called it whatever they wanted to. Yeah, I mean... I know the first thing that people are going to say when they hear this is, oh, this is a sign that FTR or the, or the Revival, they're coming back to WWE. Look, it doesn't mean that at all. It's just, it's WWE showing respect to a team that made a big impact when they were in the company, particularly in NXT when they were the Revival. And this is their way of showing respect. And truth be told, it has to do with Triple H's creative leadership. If Vince McMahon was still in charge, they, they would not have called it the Shatter Machine. They would have just come up with another name for this move when Edge and Beth Phoenix did it in their match, and it would have been swept under the rug. But this is just the ultimate sign of respect from Triple H saying, look, just because a couple of wrestlers don't work for us anymore doesn't mean we're going to pretend they never existed. Yeah, and I think that, uh, yeah, I don't, th I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd like to see FTR back, back in the uh, WWE under with a triple h as creative but yeah that doesn't mean anything at all and uh i think it's pretty cool i, I think it's uh i think it's pretty cool that uh that they done this and honor those guys because uh they deserve it man i mean look i still think that there's got to be some bad blood there in AEW. i just i have to believe that because of them being skipped over for the AEW world titles however 
These guys have a huge legacy now. They've been champions in Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan, all at the same time. So there's a lot to be said for that. You don't have, uh, I remember one time, the only other team I remember doing that was the Hardy Boys when they were independent on the scene before they came back to the WWE and they were collecting gold is what they called it. They were deleting everyone and collecting gold. And they're the only other team I remember carrying that many belts as far as tag team. So they've etched their name up there with the Hardy Boys, and that's pretty pretty difficult to do. So, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I think it's really good, and they deserve the respect. All right, sir, I think you have one more headline. Let's go ahead and let you knock that out of the way. Here we go. Buzzard. WWE made changes to the WrestleMania card within the last week. These bouts have been confirmed for the show, however, there have also been changes to the card, including Brock Lesnar's opponent. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer was talking about WWE going in the direction of Omos versus Brock Lesnar when he noted that there had been changes to the WrestleMania card as recently as within the last week. I can't say that was due to Vince, but I can say that was a change. Most of this WrestleMania card. Most of this WrestleMania card was planned out. They actually planned out most of this card further in advance than usual, which is Paul Levesque's credit, probably. Usually, some of the top matches are planned out in December, November, and then you kind of fill it in from there. This one, there's a lot by October that they had. There's definitely been many changes since October also. This was a change. I can't say the day the Lesnar match changed, and then it might change Monday night, too. I'm not sure if it's a swerve, but I do know there were changes to the card in the last week or two for whatever that was. I mean, here's the thing, Kentucky guy. We all know that there's going to be a couple of matches that only come together within a couple of weeks of WrestleMania. That's just the nature of the beast. That's what happens when you have two nights of entertainment to fill. But I don't like when things are changed frequently at the last minute, whether it's due to fan pressure or whether it's just due to needing to get someone a spot on the card because then you have a lot of matches on the card that are that are rushed that you know go less than five minutes and don't really properly showcase the talent so this makes me a little nervous whenever I hear this but from but based on this report by Dave Meltzer it sounds like the majority of the card is what they had planned a few months ago and they're sticking to it well uh, I tell you what I think that there's going to be even more changes and I'm going to skip ahead here because I want to, yeah, let's do this headline because this kind of goes hand in hand with what you just went over there. Uh, yeah, let's let's go over this real quick. Next headline. And by the way, this just broke today, folks. This broke today. Matter of fact, just hours before we started this program. Triple H wants a smaller WrestleMania card. WWE talent unhappy about not being on the show. This year's WrestleMania card will not include a lot of names this year. Uh, WrestlingNews.co is told that Triple H wants a smaller card this year, which means that a lot of names that have been working on TV and live events throughout the year will be hanging out backstage during the show. In prior years, there was an effort to include as many wrestlers on the card as possible and a battle royal which would be added to the card to at least give the undercard a chance to be featured on the show. We're told this year there is no battle royal planned and only a small handful 
of talent are being used. There are also some unhappiness about some of the slots on the show being used by legends and celebrities. Obviously, things could change, but those we spoke to were not happy about not being involved in the company's biggest show of the year in Los Angeles. Yeah, so, and then I'm going to go ahead and read this one too, and then I'll get your comments. Uh, WrestlingNews.com also reported, they reported several weeks ago that there were plans for two major championship matches for WrestleMania, and there were plans to eventually split the WWE Championship and the Universal. The original plan for the main event for night one at WrestleMania was for Cody Rhodes or Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre, to wrestle against Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship. These were the plans in place before they got word from The Rock that he would not be able to wrestle this year against Roman Reigns. As everyone knows, for the second night, the company was always hoping to get The Rock versus Roman Reigns, but for months, the backup plan has been Cody Rhodes, and that's the direction they are going in right now. As of now, it looks like they are still moving forward with plans to split up the two world titles. Then it will happen after WrestleMania. As a result of the changes, McIntyre seems to be headed towards an intercontinental title match with Gunther, and Seth Rollins is locked in a match against Logan Paul at WrestleMania. See? So, I don't know what the heck they're doing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy. A smaller card. How can you... Uh, how can you... How can you create a smaller card for WrestleMania? That's what everybody looks for. You know, Triple H, he did say in his post-interview after uh, Elimination Chamber that Elimination Chamber felt like WrestleMania to him, like a WrestleMania. So maybe... I don't know. We know WrestleMania is Vince's baby. And it, what a risk he took with his own money to put on the first show that, and it went over. Well, look how many years they've been doing it. It, it was a huge success, but I, I don't, I don't know what he's thinking. I, I really don't. I, I don't know your thoughts. I mean, I mean, they need to finalize their plans quickly is all, is all I'm going to say. I mean, again, I, I've said it multiple times before. I know we make a joke about him being old and out of shape and this, this, and this, but I would have been there, uh, you know, front and center, uh, glued to my TV if we got The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And honestly, if they had done either a singles match or a triple threat with Cody Rhodes, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, I think they would have tore the house down too if it was a world title match. I mean, is Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul going to be entertaining? I'm sure it will be. Will Drew McIntyre versus Gunther be an entertaining match? No. Sure it will be. But, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. I mean, they just, they got to make a decision here because you only have a few more weeks left to build to this monumental event. Uh, I mean, this is 39 years we've had WrestleMania and it needs to deliver. People wait, people wait for this show as a WWE fan. This is the show everybody anticipates every single year. It used to be before they did the WWE Network, WrestleMania was the only pay-per-view that I would pay for, for real. That was the only one a year that I would actually pay the, God, I think it was like 60 bucks back then that I would actually pay for. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's what I don't get. I don't get Drew McIntyre is on the road to fight Gunther. I don't know why they're saying that. Okay, he's in the Battle Royal to be the number one contender for for the Intercontinental title, that doesn't mean he won. 
You also have Karrion Cross in there, who should be the winner of the match. You know, you can't you can't team up with Sheamus and then have this feud with the Viking Raiders and just think you're going to just walk away from him. We're going to forget, and you're going to enter your hat in the ring for a singles title. I, I just I I don't see where they're getting that he's being pushed for the Intercontinental title. I, I don't I don't get where Meltzer gets that, but I could be wrong. Boy, oh boy. If he was the one to beat Gunther, I would be ticked off. You, everybody knows how much I love Drew McIntyre. Please. All right, next headline. Here we go. Mystery hands during Bray Wyatt's segment on WWE SmackDown look familiar. WWE may have dropped another hint that Alexa Bliss is again aligning with Bray Wyatt during the Firefly Funhouse segment on Friday Night SmackDown. The segment began with someone playing with the Undertaker action figures before uh, turning to Wyatt acting as a, as a producer. He could be seen watching the promo he did two weeks ago about wanting to face the winner of Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley in Elimination Chamber, and they should run. Lashley mentioned Wyatt on Raw this past Monday, hinting at their, hinting at their expected WrestleMania goes to Hollywood bout. The two hands playing with the action figures appear to be Bliss's hands. If this is Bliss, it's interesting timing for the company due to the segment as WWE has been teasing over the last several weeks that Bliss will align herself with Uncle Howdy and Wyatt. This includes after her Royal Rumble bout as they aired a video where you could see a playground and Uncle Howdy. She hasn't been seen on television, has reportedly took some time away from the WWE the company knew about it going into the Royal Rumble. So here's the thing. Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy are aligned now together. So why, oh, why would it, why wouldn't it make sense? I don't understand that article. It does make sense because they're together now. They were separate. Uncle Howdy did the sister Albergel to Bray Wyatt, woke him up. He found his inner inner demons or whatever it is, and that's who he's listening to now. And uh, so, yeah, so it would just be make sense if she's going with Uncle Howdy, she'd be with Bray Wyatt too. So, if that were her hands, then it makes sense. Your thoughts? I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I think that that was the whole point of Uncle Howdy at one point attacking Bray Wyatt was to bring out his uh, his evil side, his dark side, like like snap out of it, son, stop trying to act like you're remorseful for the things you've done. This is the real, show them the real you. And I mean, I, I mean, I definitely agree with, with the alignment thing that you were just talking about. I, I, I think they've been hinting at that for a while. And I mean, I'm looking forward to these, these three pairing up as a trio. I think they could be, could, could be a very powerful group. Yep. And that brings us to our final headline of the show. And it's about Bray Wyatt also. Here we go. Former WWE star returning to join Bray Wyatt? Question mark. WWE brought back the Firefly uh, Funhouse segment with Bray Wyatt on Friday, on Friday Night SmackDown. Where the set was shown, it turned red before an old TV on the floor showed someone playing with Undertaker action figures before turning to Wyatt, who was acting as a producer while watching his promo, to face the winner of uh, Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar at the Elimination Chamber. He aired footage of Lashley mentioning Wyatt on Raw after Wyatt told Uncle Howdy 
It was time for the weather. There was a game show. The voiceover guy says, Welcome, everybody, to America's favorite game show. Can you keep a secret? Wyatt asked whether we can. And then the doorway to the Firefly Funhouse was shown with a bunch of images shown. Wyatt ended the segment while wearing his black mask and asked, If I told you a story, could you keep a secret? In the first seconds of the clip, and it is, if you go back and watch it, you I mean, you really, really got to slow it down and watch it. But it's there. In the first seconds of the clip that you watch, the voiceover guy sounds a lot, a lot like Eric Young. And this is interesting, as in December, it was reported that Young was expected to return to the WWE. Since then, there have been no updates on his status. Around the time of the report, Young was written off Impact Wrestling Television, where he appeared to be killed by his uh, by his fellow Viant by design design member uh, Deaner in a vignette taped in a prison. It's believed that Wyatt is slowly recruiting stars for a new faction rumored to be named the Wyatt Six with Uncle Howdy, believed to be Bo Dallas, who is believed to be Bo Dallas, being the first person to join him. Woohoo! Okay. I would rather have Eric Young on the white six than insanity coming back. I just got to put that out there. Got to throw that out there. I'd much rather have him be, be a part of this. And yes, that voice does sound similar to Eric Young. I'm not going to say 100% it was, but if you go back and you listen and you slow it down and you listen to some of the promos Eric Young has done when he was on Violent by Design, it does sound, that deep, rich voice does sound like him. It actually does. So, your thoughts, sir? This would be a much better use of Eric Young in WWE than to bring back Sanity because Sanity's momentum was completely killed the day that they debuted on SmackDown, and they never recovered. Eric Young became an, an enhancement talent again, and then he had to go back to Impact in order to revitalize his career. Um, don't forget he was a world uh, champion uh, when he went back to Impact. So regardless of how I feel about Eric Young as an individual wrestler, I still feel like this would be a much better use of his talent, especially from the character work perspective. I could see him fitting in real well with uh, Bray Wyatt and uh, Uncle Howdy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm there for it if, it if it happens. All right, sir. So that's all I have for this, seg- uh, this episode. How about yourself? You know, I actually have one more uh, announcement that I just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, uh, Kentucky Guy, because it, it actually has more to do with independent wrestling. And this was, I believe this story just broke today, a little earlier. It is, see if I can find it. Ah, yes. John Moxley versus Davey Richards announced for Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Now, as you know, this is an event that, that's been uh, sponsored by GCW for the last few years, since dating back to 2018. A lot of different stars has have uh, appeared at this event. In fact, I, I watched one of the uh, Bloodsport events. I think it was Bloodsport 3, which was headlined by John Moxley versus Chris Dickinson. But uh, yeah, this is going to be John Moxley versus Davey Richards. And I, and this could be this could be really interesting because the thing is, these two have not wrestled in a singles bout since 2010 when they were com- competing for the HWA Heavyweight Championship. So... Yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting. Your your thoughts, uh, Kentucky guy? I know you're a big fan of independent follow GCW. Yeah, and uh, so John Moxley was actually the uh, heavyweight champion for GCW for 
for a long time. But uh, this match with Davey Richards, I did hear about this match, and here's what I like about it. They're completely opposite, right? John John Moxley is your gritty, want to fight, punch you in the face type wrestler, where uh, Richards is more like, more technical. I mean, from the Hart family, he's more technical wrestler, and uh, it's completely opposite. I have seen these two go at it. It's been a long time. Mainly, though, what I've seen was tag team matches. These two actually getting the ring together. It's been a while, though, since I've seen them face each other. I have to give the edge to John Moxley because he he's wrestling more. Richards is on. He's 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 a part of Impact. He was a part of Ric Flair's uh, last match show. But you really don't hear anything out of him, even on GCW or MLW. He's just not out there like he used to be. So I don't think, you know, there is a such thing as a ring rust and not, you know, perfecting your craft. So I have to give the major edge to John Moxley. I think it'll be a decent match. I don't think if John Moxley can get him out of his comfort zone and get away from the, because uh, John Moxley's not going to out-wrestle him. It's just not going to happen. He's he's not gonna he'll outfight him and he'll win the match, but he's not gonna out wrestle this guy. This guy is the technical wrestler and he's good at his craft, but he's just not getting he's just not I don't know what it is, he's just not putting himself out there, even on the independent scene, like he should, because I think he's still got a lot of mileage left. But ever since uh you know, he used to be partners with uh not Eddie Edwards for a long time. And those guys were even tag team champions. It looks like the single may not, the single career may not be the way to go because that's when everything kind of has went downhill for him. But yeah, that's what I think about that one. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's all I have news wise this week, Kentucky guy. All right. All right, folks. So you've been listening to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. With your hostess, the Kentucky guy, and Donnie Cage. Hey, as always, folks, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to listen to Friday's episode. You can only listen to one, then listen to this one, but we allow you to listen to as many as you like. You can listen to last Friday's episode, last Tuesday's episode, even the Friday before, all on us, all as a thank you to you all. (laughs) As always, folks, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all.